Old Testament to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 33. This follows immediately the sin of Israel at Sinai, where they weren't content with the presence of God in the glory of the cloud, and so they made a golden calf. And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in the midst of thee. For thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. And when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned. And no man did put on him his ornaments. For the Lord had said unto Moses, Say unto the children of Israel, Ye are a stiff-necked people. I will come up into the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Therefore now put off thy ornaments from thee, that I may know what to do unto thee. And the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by the Mount Horeb. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. And it came to pass, when Moses went out unto the tabernacle, that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass, as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and they worshipped every man in his tent door. And as the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, 
that I may know thee, and I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight. And I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. And will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass, while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in the cleft of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by, and I will take away mine hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. Our text this morning is Exodus 33, verses 13 and 14. This is again a prayer of Moses. So last night we had a prayer of Moses at the end of his life. This is really at the beginning of the 40 years of wilderness wandering. Now therefore I pray unto thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee, and that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, this is God, my presence shall go with thee. And I will give thee rest. We have, beloved, in our text a plea, a prayer, an urgent prayer for God's presence. For God's presence to go with his people as they would travel on in their pilgrimage. We step this morning from 2023 into the year 2024. Today is really just like yesterday, isn't it? Time passes, changes, but really our situation here in the world is very much the same, isn't it? Our absolute need and dependence upon our God. Even as Israel had been delivered out of Egypt, you and I have been delivered out of the bondage of our sins. 
And as Israel had to travel through the wilderness, so also we have our pilgrimage with us. Nothing has changed in this new year. We are still pilgrims and strangers here on the earth with our hope laid up in heaven. What will our travels be like? What does the future hold? Will God continue to lead and to guide and to protect and preserve us in his grace? We have a plea for God's presence in our new year. First of all, notice the occasion for this request. Notice, second of all, then, the urgent plea or request. And then thirdly, God's gracious promise that follows the request. The occasion for the plea is of Moses, and it is fear of the future. Moses is concerned, and for very good reason. In Exodus 33, verse 1 and 2, you have the pluperfect tense. That means that which had been said once before to them. And if we want the exact reference for that, you turn back in your Bibles a little bit to Exodus 23, verse 20. And there we read, Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place that I have prepared. That was the promise that God had made before and that Moses now also records in chapter 33. This is what the Lord had said. But now the Lord says something else, doesn't he? Verse 3. The Lord says, I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. What a terrible change there. From the promise that God would be present with them and lead them into the land of plenty of milk and honey, now God says, I will not be in thy midst because they were a stiff-necked people. Notice how God even there changes the pronoun in verse 1. The Lord said unto Moses, depart and go up hence. Thou and the people which thou hast brought up from the land of Egypt. Almost God dismissing the people. God saying, you did this, Moses. You brought them out of Egypt. A sinful people. And I will not be in their midst. You do it, Moses. Moses will not be able, and Moses realizes, he will not be able to bring that great multitude, that stiff-necked people through the wilderness into the promised land in his own strength. If God is not for him, it is hopeless. And he realizes 
that God's people don't even deserve God's presence. What terrible, terrible sin. What was that grievous sin? They had seen the wonders that God had done in Egypt with the ten plagues and bringing them out of Egypt on dry ground through the Red Sea. Not only had they seen that with their eyes, that deliverance, but when there was no water, water was given to them at Meribah. And later on, manna falls from heaven and feeds them heavenly bread. And what was their reaction? Grumbling and complaining. And now when God is making his very covenant at Sinai, while Moses is up on the mountain speaking with God, receiving the oracles of God, the people are not satisfied with the presence of God in their midst, which came by a cloud of glory, but they make another symbol of God's presence amongst them, the golden calf. The Lord is very angry with them, adding that sin to all their previous sins. And that's why Moses now calls then to those who are on the Lord's side, to take the sword and to cut down those who are still parading naked around that golden calf. And 3,000 were slain in that day. The people had forfeited the favor of God's presence. And therefore they are left without the symbol of God's glory for you will notice that the, the tent of meeting with the Lord is put outside the camp. Why is that important? The midst, in the midst of God's people, the tent of meeting had been earlier. God was in the midst of his people. Their God, their refuge, their help. And now that tent of meeting is put outside the camp, a long ways outside the camp. In other words, God is not in their midst. They had forfeited the favor of God's presence. There is a rupture between God and his people. But it's a rupture between God and his people that is not utterly past healing, for notice there is still the tent of meeting, and when Moses and Joshua go to speak to the Lord there, the cloud of glory does descend there upon that tent of meeting. So God is still accessible. God hides himself from his people in order to incite his people to seek him with broken hearts. They have sinned against him, grievously sinned. May they implore God for, his, for forgiveness of their sins and healing. God gives every indication that he will not accompany his people. Verse 3, I will not go up in the midst of thee. God is threatening to send Moses with the people forward without the accompanying presence of that cloud of glory. I will not be in thy midst. 
Boys and girls, that cloud of glory was a cloud that would be over the people while they were walking during this day so that the hot sun of the desert, the wilderness, would not strike them. And it was a cloud of glory of fire to lead them at night. It was that cloud that separated them, if you will remember, when they came out of Egypt. And when God leads them through the Red Sea, that cloud came between them and Pharaoh and his host so that they were saved and Pharaoh was not able to take them, but rather was destroyed. But now God says, that wonderful, that sublime column, which was the visible presence of God with his people, is taken out of their midst. Moses is afraid that God is dismissing his people as not his people any longer. God has said earlier, I will make a people out of thee, Moses. And Moses pleads for them. Oh, what a terrible thing to travel on. Travel on to the Holy Land without that ordinary, that special token of God's presence. Yes, God's favor was on Moses and on Joshua as they meet with God in that tent. But he will not be in their midst of his people. Now a moment of introspection. What does this mean for us so many years later? Well, the question comes to you and to me this morning. A new year lays ahead of us. Is God's presence going to be in our midst? Will he be leading us by his word and by his spirit? Or will we be left to our own imaginations or our own doings of moving forward? We too might ask that question because we don't deserve God's presence as we heard last night. Our days are filled with sins, transgressions against God's commandments. And even in this new year of ourselves, we're not able to keep any of his commandments perfectly. We only have a very small beginning of that new obedience. Our unfaithfulness, our lack of zeal for the kingdom at times, at times, our failure to seek God's glory in our lives, our lack of proper priorities in our life. Oh, may the Lord not deal with us as we deserve. We don't deserve God's presence. We don't deserve his grace. Will it be there? That brings me to my second point then, Moses' urgent plea. Moses says to him, as the leader of God's people, verse 13, Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, and he has, he has, God's presence with that cloud of glory came down upon that tent of meeting when Moses and Joshua went there. If I found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee and I may find grace in thy sight. And consider this, that this nation is thy people. 
God had said earlier, the people that thou didst take out of the land of Egypt, like God is stepping way back from that people that had sinned so grievously upon him, dancing around that golden calf. And Moses says, if I found grace in your eyes, not only me, but also consider that this nation is thy people, special to the Lord. So we have a fervent plea not only for himself, but we have a fervent plea for the God's people. Verse 15, and he said unto him, now those, those pronouns again, and he, that is Moses said unto him, that is God, Moses said unto God, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not, carry us not hence. Saying, in other words, then just let us die here. And we might say at the beginning of this year the very same words. Lord, if you don't go with us into this new year, just strike us dead here. That's the end. Then there's no hope for us in this coming year. There's no hope for us, period. If thy presence is not in our midst, if thou goest not with us in our pilgrimage, our pilgrimage will end in a disaster. How terrible to be left to ourselves, our sinful selves. What is that presence? It is the presence of God's glory and majesty and his covenant fellowship with his people. God walking, leading, guiding his people through their pilgrimage to the promised land. And yes, as the tent of meeting was put outside the midst of the people, a long ways away from the midst of the people, Moses has reason to fear. What are some of the arguments that Moses can use in favor of his plea that the Lord would be with them, that the Lord would be in their midst with that cloud of glory? And that is God's grace, isn't it? Isn't that exactly what Moses says over and over I pray thee if I have found grace in thy sight. Show me now thy way, that I may know thee and I may know, find grace in thy sight. What an excellent argument for us in 2024. As we found grace in the eyes of the Lord in this past year, God was faithful. He didn't leave us, even though we don't deserve his leading. God has been with us, and as he was with us in the past, there is the argument for our hope. He will be with us in the present and in the future as we go forward. Because God cannot change. And God's covenant is not revoked. The one who established that covenant there at Sinai with his people, 
God will be faithful to that covenant. He will realize that covenant. He will perfect that covenant. God will be with them. Not just Moses and Joshua. Because as Moses says, consider that this nation is thy people. That's covenant language, isn't it? I will be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant. It doesn't change. God's covenant faithfulness continues. That's the argument of Moses pleading that God will not withdraw his presence continually, but he will again be in their midst. And if thy presence go not, carry us not in. Without God's presence, we can say there's no hope. Then there's no life for us. There is no future for us. Do you recognize that this morning? Without God's presence, we are nothing. Then any hopes are dashed. What is necessary? God's people need to recognize their sin and repent of it. They have sinned grievously. God removes his presence with the tent of meeting outside of their midst for the people to recognize what had been done, what their sin does in the way of their sin and rebellion. They will not experience God's favor for them, being with them. And so they are called to humble themselves. And so we read in verse 5 and following. They take off their ornaments from them. And we read verse 6. They strip themselves of their ornaments by Mount Horeb. Verse 10. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose up. And they worshipped every man in his tent door. O oh Lord, we have sinned. O oh Lord, we don't deserve thy presence. But we're going to claim thy grace, O oh Lord. We're going to claim thou hast made us thy people. Don't leave us. Don't forsake us. That's a proper way for us to end the last year, confessing our sins, our shortcomings, being filled with humility before God, and then trusting, trusting that he will be with us in this coming year. An urgent request. Go with us, Lord. May thy presence be in our midst. And how is God's presence in our midst? By Christ's spirit and Christ's word. God has not forsaken us in our presence. And to that urgent plea then, notice thirdly this morning, God's gracious promise. In the way of their repentance, God again reassures them. Verse 14 and he said, this is God said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. 
beautiful. What a beautiful word for Moses who was called to lead this stiff-necked people. And what a good word that Moses can bring back to that stiff-necked people. You don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. But God will go with us. And the people saw that cloudy pillar at that tent of meeting, the tabernacle. And they were assured God was there. Even though he seemed afar off from them at this particular time, he didn't withdraw himself completely. It meant divine guidance, protection, and glory. They're not alone. More than this they didn't need, and less than this would never satisfy. God says, my presence will go with thee. More than that, we don't need. Less than that could not satisfy us. As we step in this new year, God's presence is with us. And the promise that is made then, I will be with thee and I will give thee rest. That is, as we read in Isaiah 63 verse 9, the angel of God's presence who saved, who sustained, who guided and protected God's people so far in their journey will continue to go with them. And that cloud of glory is a type a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the angel of the covenant. He is the angel of God's presence. He is the visible manifestation. In the Old Testament there, the angel would come to Abraham and he came to several of his saints different times. And in the fullness of time, that angel of the covenant, Jesus Christ, was born of the Virgin Mary. Indeed, the Lord is in our midst. He dwelt with us bodily for 33 years here on earth. That is what the word Emmanuel means. God with us. And if that was the assurance that Moses and Joshua and God's people had then, how much more sure is the promise to us? For we have, don't we, a far richer presence of God than Israel ever could. They lived in the time of promise, shadows and types. That cloud of glory was a type of God's presence with them, and we have Christ Jesus by his spirit and his word. Isn't that Christ's promise? I will be with you always, even unto the end of the world. Even though he is now bodily in heaven, by his word and by his spirit, he is present with us. And he will lead us he will guide us. He will defend us. He will teach us. He will preserve his elect remnant in this world. And what is the resulting rest that is given? 
God would, at, in the Old Testament type there, bring Israel into that land of milk and honey, which was filled with enemies. And not all at once, but slowly, lest the animals, the wild beast, would populate the land, slowly the Lord would bring those different nations underneath the Israelites. Not that they loved Israel, not that they loved Israel's God, but they would have to, in fear, pay tribute. It was under King David that those many victories were won. And it was under the type Solomon that there was peace and prosperity there in the land of milk and honey. But beloved, as we read in the book of Hebrews, the rest that Joshua brought them into was not the perfect rest. They would have to continue to fight battles. And as they would walk in sin, God would bring those nations against them time and time again, finally with Syria and the northern kingdom and Syria and then Assyria and then finally Babylon. Yes, they entered into the land of rest, but there was never perfect rest there. That comes only to you and me and our Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ successfully has overcome sin, Satan, and death. And his spirit dwells within us so that we can combat sin in our lives, turn away from Satan's temptations, say no to those. And we need continually that angel of God's presence, and I'm talking about Christ Jesus there by his spirit and word with us in our pilgrimage. Our enemies still are great here on earth, aren't they? What enemies are, am I talking about, boys and girls? Well, in catechism you'll remember that we have three mortal enemies, don't we? Can you name them? The worst enemy, the worst possible enemy, is the one within Audrey Sprinsma. And the enemy that's within each one of us, our old sinful nature. If we didn't have that sinful nature, all the temptations of the world or of the devil wouldn't make such an inroad on our lives. We have to fight that old sinful nature. We have to fight the Moabites and the Midianites when they come dancing and trying to intermingle with us the world as it tries to tear us away from Christ Jesus. And always there is the devil going about like a roaring lion seeking to devour. And he's not alone either, is he? One third of the angels fell and these demons continue to plague Christ's church. How you and I need God's presence in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus present with us in this coming year and the future until he comes again. His presence by his word and by his spirit. And so we continue to make our pilgrimage. And the generations following us will make those that pilgrimage until Christ comes again. And then there's our inheritance, the land of rest. No more sin, no more temptation, no more sickness or pain or suffering or death. All things made new, and we 
reigning with Christ in the new heavens and the new earth. What an inheritance. What glad hope for you and for me in this coming year. Christ is with us. And we plead then. We plead just like Moses did. Make, make that our prayer. If I have found grace in thine eyes, this people, this people is thy people. The people that God himself has led out of the bondage of sin and is bringing to his heaven of heavens. A new year here. But nothing really changes for us. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And our position and our privilege is we are his people by grace. And all the promises that Christ has made in his word, those promises will be fulfilled to us. The conflicts will not change. We still will have to deal with our sinful nature, with the world around us, the temptations of Satan. But we have God's will for our lives spelled out in his word. A glorious hope is ours. We are in Christ Jesus. He is in us. God's presence will go with you and me in our individual lives, his presence will be there when we are going through the valleys of life. Christ will be present there as we go through the storm-tossed seas in our life. Christ with us. God's presence. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank thee for this comforting word that came to thy Old Testament people. They didn't deserve it. They deserve thy wrath and judgment and thy withdrawal from them. But in grace, thy presence went with them, brought them through the pilgrimage into the promised land. Thou, Lord, has brought us out of the bondage of sin into the kingdom of Christ Jesus. We are thy people. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Comfort us then. Cause us to look always and pray unto thee. Depend upon thee. Trust in thee. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.